Jesper Bratt with the puck for New Jersey, cutting wide on Lindholm. Hooks on the brakes, across for Jack Hughes, he scores! here for the Islanders. Yep, there you go. And right away, this is going to even it up. Not even 10 seconds in. Delayed penalty. Holmes from scores! Wow! Simon Holmstrom gives the Islanders the lead on the delayed penalty. Four three Isles. What a goal from Holmstrom. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show. Saul 72 on December 14th. Good morning. Uh, welcome to the Kevin Carey Show. Thanks for tuning in and letting us be a part of your morning. And what a, I mean, plus three coming into work. How can that be for the middle of December, just 10 days away to Christmas Eve, looking for a high of plus one, just glorious temperatures uh, for December this time of the year in the capital region. Two more games on this Oilers homestand to close out their home schedule of the season before the Christmas break, and that's the Tampa Bay Lightning here tonight, and then Florida on Saturday, and the Oilers come in smoking hot, just like the temperature. Winners of eight games in a row, looking for nine in a row tonight against Tampa Bay. It's only been done a couple of times in franchise history, the latest last year at the end of the season, and then way back in 2001. Uh, We will talk a lot about Oilers uh, Tampa tonight uh, a little bit later in the show in just a couple of minutes as well but just wanted to first touch on the national junior team uh, roster selection was uh, done yesterday and you know yesterday we also had uh, Darcy Gulbra from Irma Irma Minor Hockey Association because we were keeping a close eye on a couple of players from Irma, uh, Scott Ratzlaff and Jagger Fergus. Uh, unfortunately, Jagger Fergus uh, did not uh, make the team. He was uh, released yesterday, which was maybe a bit of a surprise because he had 53 points in 53 games for the Moose Jaw uh, Warriors, had the whole Fergus circus thing going. But uh, Peter Anholt uh, in charge of the I guess management group for Team Canada uh, had this to say about Jagger Fergus. I see Jagger so much in the Western Hockey League. He's such a good player, such a competitor, but he didn't play as well here in our camp. Uh, you know, for me, that was a bit of a surprise. I thought he would have brought more. Didn't happen for him. That's the way it goes. So, unfortunately for Jagger Fergus, he did not uh, make the grade. But Scott Ratzlaff, the goaltender from Irma, did. So, congratulations to the uh, Irma product. And then, uh, again, Matthew Savoy from Sherwood Park. He'll be counted on to be one of the top players on the team. So congrats to Matthew Savoy. And also uh, Nate Danielson uh, from Red Deer, some of the uh, local products on the uh, roster that uh, we'll be uh, for sure cheering on and keeping an eye on. The U Sports All-Star team played the national junior team last night in Oakville, and U Sports won 6-1. And Ratzlaff actually played, how it works, because they want to see the goaltenders, Ratzlaff played 
for U Sports in the game. Uh, gave up uh, one goal, and U Sports won six one. Eric Florchuk, uh, the Alberta Golden Bear, one of three Bears on the team. Had a couple of goals, so congrats to Eric uh, Florchek. Uh, Dylan Plouffe, Josh Prokop also on the team. Uh, Prokop had one assist in the game. So uh, Ratzlaff made 14 of 15 saves in the game last night. They have two younger goaltenders uh, that are, I guess if you want to call it, uh, just one year younger than what Ratzlaff is. So we'll see how things shake down. But now it's, uh, again, the team will head off to Sweden uh, pretty well immediately and have some games before things kick off on Boxing Day against Finland. So the the thing is, too, they kept three goalies, seven defensemen, 12 forwards, left the roster, roster spot open just in case maybe there's a an NHL player that can maybe be released. But uh, Canada will uh, take on Finland again on Boxing Day, but three pre-tournament games before that. Denmark on the 19th, Switzerland on the 22nd, and then the U.S. on the 23rd. So uh, congrats to all the players that made it. If you didn't make it, you know what? It's just, it's tough. I know it's a dream. You know, you, you've been watching this tournament for a long time, but you can now use that as fuel to go out and play well, like a player like Jagger Ferguson, Moose Jaw for the rest of the season. And, um, you know, maybe prove some people wrong and maybe you don't look at it that way, but it's a, an opportunity for you to refocus, reshift and, and, and reprioritize what you're doing for the rest of your season. Uh, and yes, Matthew Savoy from St. Albert. I think I said Sherwood Park. I don't know why I said that, but uh, thanks for Rich for that, uh, sending that in. one 1440 one If you've got a comment about tonight's game, the Oilers game, maybe the national team. Uh, and again, uh, my apologies to uh, Matt Savoy. Uh, St. Albert, not Sherwood Park. So... The Oilers come into tonight's game with a record of 13-12-1. Very impressive. Now, in this eight-game winning streak, the numbers are off the charts. They've got first-place rankings in the NHL in goals for, goals against, power play, goal differential, and they're second in PK. And, I mean, their mark in PK is only 96.2%. So, I mean, pretty good. So they have to have the ability to just, if they can keep the, the foot on the gas here before the, the Christmas break, they got the two games at home here, Florida and Tampa Bay tonight, Florida on Saturday. Then they go on the road for three games in the tri-state area with the Rangers, the Islanders, and the Devils. We'll see exactly what they do with the goaltending situation here as well. Maybe, maybe we will see Cal Pickard get a game at home. He will get one of those games on the road. You would think it would be the Devils game after he had such a great game against the Devils at home. Uh, Last night in the NHL, if you watched the Pittsburgh-Montreal game, it went to the 12th round of shooters. 12 rounds. You know, some people think, and I I just look now, Duke, we're going to have that in our, uh, are you in or are you out? Do you like the fact that there are 12 shooters? Would you like it to go back? Uh, Not go back, but would you like it to be implemented where... I guess you could call it international rules. You saw Jonathan Taves at the World Junior go shot after shot after shot. We've seen it happen before on the international stage, but we will address that 
in are you in or are you out? I, you know, it's funny when you watched it last night, you you were kind of going, who's next out of the shoot? Like, who's who, who could possibly? And, and the way it started, I mean, it was goal, 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 goal. And then no one could score for quite a while. And then when Pittsburgh needed a goal, Penguins got a goal. But when Montreal needed a goal, Montreal got a goal. So it was kind of interesting to watch. Uh, Colorado then just smoked uh, Buffalo, the Sabres just looked not even uh, ready for prime time at all. Uh, 5-1 was the final. Nate McKinnon has a 13-game point-scoring streak going. Uh, also last night, the Jets saw the Kings by a score of 5-2. Get L.A. away from home ice. Kings can't win at home. Uh, best record in the league by far on the road, but very average at best when it comes to being at home. Text one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 Stair Farmer with his uh, morning roll call. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Go Oilers, go. What are your predictions uh, for tonight? Uh, Matt in LaDuke says, I missed that shootout. Did Merrick Malik get a shot? Well, he was probably on the list. That's how bad it was. Jason Strudwick would have been watching that going, this is, this brings back memories. This is it. This was the highlight of my career, one of them. Struddy has so many, but that uh, shootout, I, did that go 13 or 14, Duke, with Struddy and Merrick Malik? I can't remember. No, I can't remember to, that one, no. Wish Struddy would. Struddy, phone in. Just see what's going on. <laughs> Tell, relive the memory, Struddy. Relive it. You can do it. Uh, but Merrick Malik made that unbelievable goal, and Struddy scored as well, but... <laughs> It's just amazing. Oh, boy. Uh, Coming up on the big program, we will uh, check in with Andy Strickland uh, at the uh, 720 block. St. Louis Blues analyst, uh, and then with the Cam and Strick podcast. uh, Great podcast uh, with uh, Cam Jansons. And uh, Andy Strickland also does some coaching in St. Louis, beside all his broadcasting that he does. So we're going to touch on that. Uh, Yesterday at Oilers practice, I did a one-on-one with Connor Brown, and we will... uh, we will uh, air that at 7.40-ish, right after our Brian Adams song. Uh, and that'll be part of our St. Albert Dodge game of the day. And Connor Brown, he's sniffing around the net. He, man, he's so close to scoring. Uh, maybe he can uh, pump one in tonight or Saturday or soon because he can, even though he's doing all these things right and correctly, he's so much of a contributor on the penalty kill unit. He's... Being responsible on the ice, we you got to have some production. You need to see some production out of a guy that's in the top six. Uh, Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli, uh, 8 o'clock and 8.20. And, of course, they will be joined by our co-host every Thursday, and that is Ladislav Schmid, the former NHLer from 8 to 10. We'll have our Snow Valley Ski Report later in the show. And then really looking forward to chatting with Brian Engblom, Tampa Bay Lightning analyst and... Uh, Man, he played on some teams in Montreal in the late 70s uh, and early 80s that were second to none. The defense core that was that were on those Montreal Canadian teams, simply amazing. You know, when you, you talk about the likes of Serge Sabard, Larry Robinson, um, Guy Lapointe, 
just fabulous, fabulous defense corps. One of the big reasons why Montreal was so successful in the late 70s and early 80s. Also, uh, Cal Nichols ran into Cal yesterday. There was a great uh, news conference in the Oilers Hall of Fame room at 2 o'clock. Basically, it's the toast of the town, and they've done this for a couple of years uh, Cal Nichols will be the third, I guess, recipient of the Toast of the Town. That's coming up in April. Brian Anstis, Barry Stafford have done a wonderful job uh, being the, the spearhead organizers on a wonderful event that's um, really taken the town by storm. It's the Toast of the Town. Last year with Kevin Lowe, it was outstanding. Uh, Barry Stafford was honored the first year. Barry's battled cancer and... Uh, you know, just a, a fabulous guy in the sense of what he's done with the community. But Cal Nichols will join us at 10 o'clock. And, of course, Cal was the former Edmonton Investors Group chairman. And one of the main reasons that <laughs> that there's still hockey in Edmonton, because there were times, and people really don't realize how close it got, where this team was close to leaving town. It was that simple. Just because of how the ownership went when the investors group took over and really fostered the franchise for a long time before, you know, Daryl Cates took over, whatever, a dozen years later or so. But we will uh, guess with Cal Nichols at 10 o'clock, talk about, um, you know, his journey, about uh, the toast of the town and how you can uh, support that wonderful cause. That's coming up at uh, 10 o'clock. Uh, also, also, speaking of wonderful causes, we will have our auction item that we are doing for the Jason Greger Month of Giving. That is the package for six. We're going to start the bidding off Today, Duke, we're going to do it just like we did for the golf package at the Ranch Golf and Country Club. So this is a package for dinner for six. So yourself and five guests at Chop Steakhouse, Ellerslie or downtown location. So one, yourself and five guests with myself, Eddie Steele, David Schlemko and Ladislav Schmid, our male co-hosts right here on Sports 1440. It'll be five-course dinner with wine pairings, your choice of beverages in the private room, and we'll do it in the first six months of 2024. Open up the bidding. Let's just start it at $500. Send in a text if you so choose to, 1-833-401-1440. Fabulous cause. Month of giving for Jason Greger's uh, show, uh, 2 to 6 on Sports 1440. He's been doing a remarkable job on this for many years, and it's off to a great start for the first couple of weeks of December. So send us off a text, one 1440 We'll be talking about this auction item as the show goes on, especially when Laddie comes in. Imagine Laddie's going to say, Duke, uh, how big are the portions? How big are the portions? How big are the portions? <laughs> Will Taco in a bag be one of the appetizers? Yes, Taco in um, a bag appetizer. There better be turkey and no ham. <laughs> no ice cream on the dessert. On the dessert. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, of course, it is Thursday, Lad- so we'll, uh, we'll, get, not- we'll, we'll get another uh, new food uh, yeah. food question mixed in with in or out uh, later Laddie's in Laddie's not going to know. If we say this is what the menu is, Taco in a bag, you'll go, what? He'll, he, he might he might opt snap. out. Might opt out. When we come back, Andy Strickland, St. Louis Blues analyst, will be our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, thanks to Rick for correcting me on the Matt Savoy from St. Albert, not Sherwood Park angle. Did play for the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Maybe that's why I would have been thinking that. But... 
Rich not only says, that's like saying somebody from Shelbyville is from Springfield, but Rich is generously on board donating for the dinner for 10 at Chop Steakhouse. He's in for $1,200. Thanks, Rich. Really appreciate it. And let the bidding continue for the course of the morning. We won't close the bidding this morning. Uh, Jason Greger will close that off on his show from 2 to 6. So uh, thanks for that. And again, it'll be uh, an outstanding night at Chop. We'll be looking forward to some good fellowship. Uh, Eddie Steele, Dave Schlemko, Ladislav Schmid, myself, and you and five of your guests at Chop Steakhouse, Ellerslie, or downtown. So uh, that'll be coming up in the next uh, little bit in the new year. So please be generous. Bid if you can. It'll be an outstanding night. We can guarantee it. Uh, let's welcome in Andy Strickland now, St. Louis Blues analyst, and the better half, or you could call him that, the better half of the Cameron uh, Strick podcast. Uh, Andy, welcome to Sports 1440 with Kevin Carius. Welcome to the show. Ah, we're just getting Andy. He was just coming out of the rink, so let's try to hook up with Andy one more time. Uh, we're Andy, have you got us? Can you hear me, Andy? Ah, we'll hook up with Andy one more time. So, uh, again, thanks to uh, Rich for donating $1,200 so far to start the bidding and uh, looking forward to a good, solid uh, morning of bids coming through uh, for the Jason Greger Month of Giving 2-6 to six here on Sports 1440. We got Andy Duke or not? Oh, we're going to work on him. So uh, just uh, waiting to hook up with uh, Andy Strickland, St. Louis Blues uh, analyst and co-host of the Cam and Strick podcast. Lots of things happening in St. Louis, uh, none more so than the head coach being fired the other day. And that's Craig Berube, the pride of Callahoo, Alberta. And the Blues are in action tonight. St. Louis uh, will play host to the Ottawa Senators. So... That should be a chance. And, you know, here's a, you know, look at Ottawa. Ottawa's played the fewest games, down to 22 games. Ottawa's, and they're, they need to win these games in hand. The Blues are, you would think, are going to get a little coach bump here. Uh, but right now, St. Louis, when you look at the standings in the Western Conference of the NHL, the Blues and the Oilers are tied right now with 27 points. The Oilers do have two games in hand on the Blues, but St. Louis, in a little bit of a tailspin, losers of four straight, and basically a game under 500 at 13 four and one the blues uh, maybe a bigger problem right now is that uh, they are not doing so well in goal differential they're heavily into the red at minus 14 so st louis coming into this game with ottawa you would think that will have that coaching bump they will have a, an opportunity to uh, try to rectify try to turn things around but again ottawa that's another team. We could be talking about the fourth coach in the NHL being canned here in the next little bit with uh, DJ and stuff like that. So interesting scenario. We'll see what shakes down in the game tonight. Uh, text coming in. one 401 1440 From the King of Fort Nasty. Good morning. KK and Duke. The Queen of Fort took a phone call last night, which allowed me to change the channel from Hallmark Christmas movies to the Habs-Pens game. The shootout was actually very entertaining, going on an impressive 12 rounds before Pittsburgh was able to close it out. And the goal scorer for Pittsburgh, Jansen Harkins. Uh, he was, Jansen Harkins was picked up, I believe, off waivers. Hadn't had a point 
going into this one. Uh, reminded me of the time that the Duke strapped on the skidoo mitts and went 12 rounds boxing, big haws, on his cousin's backyard trampoline. Have a great day, boys. Go Broncos. I think the king of Fort Nasty, what he does is he thinks of things to get under the Duke's skin. Every day he's thinking about this, and this has to do with the time that he stood you up in Fort Saskatchewan at the CBH. Yeah, that's very disappointing. If anything, you would think it should be me throwing some shade uh, his way after he after he no showed me at the the Fort Sask Brew House for Thursday night football. But uh, this next one is is not that um, mis uh, misguided because mm-hmm. there are certainly sometimes uh, on our our own trampoline, albeit in the front yard. Uh, at the farm that, yeah, you get the boys over and you, you get kind of get wrestling a little bit uh, when you're younger. And we didn't, I never did the thing. Some of my friends did were like in the basement or like you found this old pair of boxing gloves somewhere, somewhere and you'd like literally box each other. That was never, I had enough boxing uh, at home with my <laughs> sisters with no, with no glove boxing. Uh, I didn't need to. You indulge. fought your sisters. Oh, more like they beat the living crap oh, out of me. Are you man, kidding me? Come on, Duke. Oh, Kev, keep in mind. These are, uh, these are. How much older? So, well, one the eldest. Don't say one, they were younger than you. Just the one is, but so <laughs> so I would beat up on her after uh, after the two older ones would beat up on me. But my eldest one is four years older than I am, and then three years older. And these are, I mean, they've been doing chores. These, they're, they're, these are some you know. uh, true as they come, like on the ranch farmhand type uh, young women. So they were they were not shy, they were not weak, and they were not kind. Were they okay? I got it. Were they doing like? You know the typewriter on the forehead you would do to, you know. Oh, yeah. And then, ching. Would they do this, like, you know, the, the what do you call it, the pink belly, all the other stuff that oh, you would do? Pretty much any sort of torture, because they would team up, right? There's oh. two of them. So they would, uh, everything from cattle prods to <laughs> drowning me in cattle water tubs. Like, also, my eldest one ran me over with a quad when I was like, it was an accident, but still, it uh, was uh, pretty... <laughs> startling to say the least so oh man that is that's kind of scary stuff duke when you think about it cattle prods uh text coming in to one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 uh this one is kind of wondering about what's going on with the bison king this comes from uh uh john well he had the uh professional tryout in pittsburgh that's the last we heard about that um that's about it. I mean, pr- professional tryout in Pittsburgh, and don't know if it's you know if he's gone anything forward on that. But the last thing we heard is that he was just practicing, and that they were trying to bring him along kind of fairly slowly. So, all right, we finally hooked up with Andy Strickland, uh, blues analyst, and the better half of the Cam and Strick podcast. Uh, Andy, you're with Kevin Carey on Sports fourteen forty. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. As always, I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for coming on. It's been crazy couple of days in St. Louis. Let's just start with Craig Berube, the dismissal, and Drew Bannister coming in, who played for the Oilers uh, uh, a long time ago in the mid-90s. Uh, what's the feeling with the coaching change in St. Louis? Well, listen, it's kind of a sad day, kind of a gloom day. At least yesterday was. You know, I mean, Craig Berube, very popular here in St. Louis. Fan base loves him. Uh, super, super liked inside the organization. I mean, treated everybody with respect. I mean, everyone, um, you know, felt like they were the same around Craig Berube. You know, didn't big-time anybody. Obviously had a ton of success on the ice by, you know, being the first head coach in the history of the program or the organization to to bring a Stanley Cup to St. Louis. So, you know, he'll forever be revered. 
um, as doing that. And, uh, you know, just kind of for his overall kindness and his personality and being a guy who um, was a really, really good fit here in St. Louis, both on the ice and off the ice. He made a lot of friends here in uh, in this city. Drew Bannister comes in, Andy, and was coaching down in the minors with uh, Springfield. Is it a different message, different kind of person, style? What's what's it going to be like to change? I don't know. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, nobody really has that answer. You know, he's an interim coach, right? Listen, at, at this stage, to me, he's not a serious candidate to be the next head coach, but he's the strongest candidate at the same time because he's getting the first crack at it and he gets to be behind the bench and, um, you know, truly have his impact felt immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can interview everybody you want, but if this guy just wins games and all of a sudden, you know, gets this team into the playoffs, it's going to be hard for Doug Armstrong just to turn his back on Drew Bannister. Um, that's what happened with Craig Berube. Craig Berube took over as an interim, but he kept winning and won the Stanley Cup and then ultimately got, got hired. You know, they were still calling him interim coach heading into the Stanley Cup final a few years back. Um, and they were interviewing head coaching candidates after the playoffs began back in 2019, not thinking this team was going to go all the way to end up, you know, capturing the Stanley Cup. So, you know, Bannister's going to have an opportunity here to, to make his case. And, and we'll, see, we'll see what that means. You know, um, you know, Doug Armstrong obviously is going to have a lot of influence over his decision-making. I think he's going to turn some stuff over to him. But, you know, he's going to be answering to Army at the same time. It's interesting because you bring some head coaches on board who have previous experience, maybe a little more head coaching credibility at the NHL level, and they kind of, you know, do their thing, you know. I mean, is Drew Bannister going to be in position to do that, or is he going to have to, you know, truly work in collaboration with Doug Armstrong in terms of decision-making? And um, I'll be interested to see how much rope he gets from the GM to be able to do that and, and what this means for, for Drew Bannister. I mean, listen, um, I think there's a lot of things on the table in terms of what Army is looking at to, uh, to eventually take over this team full-time. But we see, you guys are seeing it right now in, in Edmonton. I, I've mm-hmm. seen it over and over and over again here in St. Louis. Whenever you have a coaching change, the team just automatically plays better for whatever reason. We're seeing it in Minnesota right now. You just kind of see it happen. Uh, all over the place. So if this team wins and gets into the playoffs, I mean, Drew Bannister could very well be the head coach moving forward beyond this year, even though, like I said, as it sits today when he was named interim, I don't, I don't think he's a super strong candidate, but at the same time he is because he's getting the first crack at it. Andy Strickland, our guest on Sports 1440, St. Louis Blues uh, analyst and uh, from the Cam and Strick podcast. Uh, yesterday, Andy, I think you posted on social media, and of course we know Craig Berube quite well from these parts being from Callahoo, that you wouldn't be surprised if he surfaces in uh, Philadelphia with the Flyers. Could you see that happening? Yeah, I could. I really could. And and one more thing about Drew Bannister real quick, because I want to mm-hmm. make this point clear, is that they didn't have any other candidates within the organization with with. with prior head coaching experience that they could just throw in there and be the interim guy either. It's not like you were going to slide over Steve Ott or Mike Weber, the other coaches that are on the bench. Neither of those guys have ever been, been a head coach. They don't have any head coaching experience. And, um, and so this was really truly the only option for Doug Armstrong internally, unless he was going to bring in somebody from the outside. In terms of Philadelphia, um, you know, listen, that's where Craig Ruby has a ton of relationships. Um, 
It's not going to guarantee that he goes to Philly. Obviously, John Tortorella is having a lot of success this year. I'll tell you what, it would not surprise me if Tortorella were to move upstairs and kind of slide over for Berube. You know, from what I understand, they've had several conversations even since Berube was fired. You know, yesterday they talked a couple of times. And it wouldn't shock me if, if Tortorella's future with the Flyers organization wasn't behind the bench and maybe it was upstairs in a executive hockey operations role. You know, but you've got, you know, Keith Jones, who's there. He's Craig Berube's best friend. They've been best friends for a long time. He's got a ton of history with the Flyers organization. His wife um, has a ton of history inside, you know, that, that you know, city as well. Um, but I, I just think he wants to be in the Eastern Conference, and if he had it his way, he would prefer to be in, the, uh, in that area of the country. So could that mean the Islanders? Yeah. Could that mean the Devils in the future? You know, I don't, Lindy Ruff's not going to be the head coach there forever. And, uh, and Kurt Ruby's got a lot of respect around the league, and he's been around the NHL for a long time, so he knows a lot of people, and they know him. So, yeah, Philadelphia, I think, you know, if you just connect the dots, and I know Tortorella's having a lot of success, like I said, but I think there's ways you can be creative and still bring in Kurt Ruby as your head coach. But there are other teams as well that I think uh, – you know, could potentially be looking for a head coach and could have serious interest in Barubi. But I think that's the location he's looking at. Had a long conversation with Chief yesterday. Got to know him really well, man. I have a lot of respect for this guy. And um, and I think if he has it his way, that's the part of the country that he's going to coach in next. Andy Strickland, our guest on Sports 1440. How would you assess the play of Jake Neighbors, the former Edmonton Oil King, who is uh, tied for the team lead with goals with 10? Yeah, I love Jake Neighbors, man. He's like a throwback uh, off the ice. He brings, I mean, uh, a much broader skill set than I, I thought he had. You know, he started the season on the fourth line, not because he was a fourth-line player, but I think they wanted to give other guys opportunities to see what they could do after finishing the season strong last year. Guys like like Sammy Belay, for example, who had nine goals here after he came over from the Rangers last season. But – you know, you watch Jake Neighbors, look at his highlights and how he's scoring goals. This guy is scoring goals in all different ways. You know, breakaways, two-on-ones, net front deflections, rebounds, fast-break goals where he's got defenders on his trail and he's just snapping a blocker side past the goaltender, one-timers. So he's got way more in his toolbox offensively from a goal-scoring standpoint than I probably even gave him credit for. You know, he, his skating has, has really gotten better. He's playing with way more confidence. He's staying on his feet. He's playing through contact. Um... But, you know, he's in the mix after the whistle. You know, he plays with that passion, that throwback intensity that, you know, they, they quite frankly could use more of. And he's kind of driving the bus in that area along with Braden Shen, who's been his mentor, who he once, you know, lived with. So uh, I'm a big fan of, of Jake Neighbors. Uh, he was drafted in the first round for a reason. And uh, he's just scratching the surface right now. He's not even 22 years old. And, uh, and he's doing his thing. And like you said, he's, he's tied for the team lead in goal scoring. I don't think anybody had Jake Neighbors leading the team in goals as we approach the 30-goal mark here this season. Uh, he's been very, very good with 10 goals. Just one assist, uh, 11 points on the season. On the other end of it, and we saw it here when the Oilers were really struggling, all the top-end players were going through a real dry spell and weren't contributing like they were and like they probably should. And the guy that I'm touching on right now is Jordan Cairo. What have you made of his play this season? Well, you know, and he's one player. I'm, I'm just interested to see how he, how he gets going now with the coaching change. 
And I, by no means am I pointing the finger at Craig Berube, but, you know, they, they weren't always on the same page. And, uh, you know, I, listen, last year, Tyro didn't have a great season last year, and he scored 37 goals. You know, his plus-minus reflected that. I think he's been way, way better defensively this season, way more committed inside his own end. Um, so you've seen some legit improvement there. But, you know, with that being said, he's got to be better. I mean, this guy's making over $8 bucks per year. You, you can't be throwing out the numbers that he has right now and feel like that you're satisfied with that. He's not. Um, you know, I've talked to him uh, about this, and, you know, he's even told me privately, like, hey, you know, there's times when I get the puck in a scoring area and, I, and, and, I'm, and I'm about to shoot, and, I, and that's all I think about is the fact that I'm not scoring goals. And the puck isn't going in, so I, you know that's that's cre- you know crept into his mind from a mental standpoint. And he's still getting a ton of chances. I think he's got a shot on goal in like 122 or 123 consecutive games. He's approaching the franchise record, which is held by Vladimir Tarasenko for 135 consecutive games. This guy gets a ton of chances. He still flashes and he still pops when the puck's on a stick with his skating ability. And I look at some of these other teams around the league, man, who just possess a ton of skill. And you put Kyrie on one of those teams, I mean, he, he would be unbelievable. I mean, could you imagine him on a team like the Boston Bruins or something like that? I mean, he'd just be up and down the ice making plays with those guys. Edmonton, you know, plays a, a fast-break style. So, you know, it, it's – I'm not ready to write off Jordan Kyrie for this season. You know, he said, hey, listen, there's more than 50 goals left in the year. I, I can still get to 30 goals this season. I, I don't know if he's going to get to 30 be nice if he does but he is streaky and you know he has shown the ability to catch catch fire so you just got to bank on him eventually do that and you hope that he does hey andy i know you got tons of prep work to get ready for tonight's senators game thanks for hopping on on, on quick notice here appreciate your time uh and uh, take care happy holidays to you and your family Hey, same to you guys. I appreciate it as always. Take care. That's Andy Strickland, St. Louis Blues analyst and uh, co-host of the Cam and Strick podcast. When we come back, we'll go one-on-one with Oilers forward Connor Brown as we go and kind of preview the game of the day for St. Albert Dodge on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Yes, 7.44, our uh, 7.40 break with B.A., Brian Adams. Heard a Christmas song, another one of Brian Adams yesterday. Can't remember where it was. Duke. But, you know, it's refreshing is what it is. It's exciting. Your buddy. Oh, EA. God, yeah. I, I, well, uh, like I said, uh, as promised, we'll get a few more Christmas songs in the mix today. But uh, I've got a lot of requests coming in. I can't wait. Well, we'll save lots for tomorrow for requests. we got to see. Uh, Can you find Friday? Tom Jackson? Tom Jackson. You I'll remember? take a look. See if we got that. Uh, time now for our game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. They have 165 Ram 1500s all dressed up and waiting for you with an incredible 20% off MSRP. That's a saving up to $14,000. And our game of the day will be tonight's Oilers game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oilers come in with a record of 13-12-1. First time they've been above 500 this season. The power play is smoking 28.1%. The PK rising, gradually rising, 81.1%. But you know what, Tampa Bay's uh, special teams, these are almost mirror images of each other right now. Tampa Bay is third in the league, and the PK is ranked 15th. So really, really close in that sense. The two teams played uh, last in Tampa Bay. The Oilers lost 6-4 on November the 28th, but looking for their ninth straight win of the season. A lot of talk about Connor Brown this year. 20 games played. He's averaging, you know, somewhere in the 
14 minute range per night has not been able to find the score sheet yet just one assist on the year but he's doing everything but scoring he's been around the net you've seen him probably needs to get to the blue a little bit more he could probably get a little tougher in tight that's where a lot of his opportunities can happen so focus on that that's going to be a big big uh, uh factor for for connor brown moving forward yesterday i had a chance to talk to the orders forward here's that conversation Connor, have you been a part of an eight-game winning streak before in the NHL? And if not, what's it like to be on this roll? Um, no, I can't. I don't know. I can't remember if I have or not. Um, but you know, it's fun. I mean, uh, you know, it, you got a team that guys really understand their identity and their role within the group, and um, leaning into what they do well. And uh, you know, I think that we've really um, took a step forward. And, and the biggest thing is we're continuing to improve and then we're winning games. We're finding things we can get better at and, and all assets. And so um, it's fun to be part of. Does three weeks ago and you guys were 5-12-1 feel like a thousand years ago? Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, um, it feels uh, a long time ago, especially by just how, how far we've come um, with, the, you know, internally and how we're feeling in this room. So it's, uh, it's a lot better feeling here right now. Personally, you've been around the net all the time for the last three, four games, couple crossbars, a lot of chances. You must be going, this has got to be going in sooner or later here. For sure, you know, I'm trying not to um, focus too much on the results. For me, I think the most important thing for me coming in here is I wanted to have a huge pe- impact on the penalty kill. Um, that's been a staple of my game since I came in the league, and uh, I think that me and Jan Mark have done a really good job of uh, denying entries and, and making it tough on other teams. So, um, you know, that's kind of where my, my main focus is and, and focusing on what I'm doing well. And, you know, I'm hitting post doing that. I know I can, I know I have a whole new level to get to offensively. Um, you know, just so it's nice to take care of the things like, uh, you know, one thing at a time after being off for so long. Why do you think you and Matias have that chemistry on the PK? I think uh, we both think the same way. Um, you know, I think we're both, uh, we're both good at angling. I think that's, you know, when you come to it, when you're a penalty kill forward, that's probably the biggest attribute is angling. And, um, you know, so we can kind of uh, feed, you know, uh, direct the play where we want it to go and uh, keep it into, uh, into our pressure points. So, um, you know, it's been fun killing with him. I think uh, we think the same and uh, we, we talk a lot on the bench about what we can do to improve. And so I think that's uh, been a secret of ours. Can you explain angling to the casual hockey? fan <laughs> well I think it's uh you know when you when you get a guy like Jack Hughes coming in or or Connor Bedard and uh you know their, their skating ability is so elite so it's you know it's be able to ability to cut the ice in half and uh and direct him where you want to go so you're bringing him into you know into the next check instead of um you know him going nose to nose with you and have the ability to go anywhere on the ice and so uh it's cutting the ice in half and and things like that um, you know, which is, you know, is, is a massive part of penalty killing and checking. And um, I think it's our, our team has gotten better at that as a whole, too. You mentioned Connor Bedard. What did you make of that shot that uh, he scored his first goal here, the first goal of the game against uh, you guys? Yeah, elite. I mean, um, you know, I had the privilege of playing with Austin Matthews, and I saw him, him shoot in, and, you know, that, this – that Bedard shot I've not, I haven't seen before, and it's uh, you know it's it's pretty incredible the way he can release it from uh, you know just so many different spots. So he can really shoot it from far off his body, from in his toes, and um, and he's picking corners. So you know he's got a bright future in this league, and uh, you know it's uh, it, it's great to see uh, you know so many young skilled players coming in. But you know also you know you not to give him too much respect for especially as a you know a defensive group or a penalty kill group. You try to make it hard on those guys when they're coming here. 
you have a lot of work to do before Christmas, but then a little bit of a break, and we were just kind of talking a bit before about your plans over the holiday season and with a, a new baby and just the excitement with family. Just can you touch on that? Yeah, no, it's awesome. I mean, um, you know, it's been a it's been a fun little process here, especially over. Uh, last three and a half months becoming a dad and um, you know moving the little guy out west and so there's been a whole lot of change in my life um, uh, to come out here and uh, and you know I was starting to feel part of the oil family and uh, it, it's been great and you know um, starting to find my game um, you know one thing at a time here and you know, there's still some ways to go but um, you know I feel, I feel I'm feeling good I'm feeling better and better and so it's uh, it's been a it's been a pretty pretty uh, surreal couple months and uh, you know I'm excited about the future and the journey here so you'll be able to get together with the family out east uh, just after uh, you go out east and play in New York and have a bit of a break out there? Yeah, yeah, we're going to head, head out to New York and then um, you know, I'll, my uh, my wife and little guy will be heading back home uh, when we go out east and so I'll meet them in in Toronto for a few days and uh, everyone will get their rounds with the baby and uh, so it'll be awesome, it'll be good. And a lot of you, the players here have babies that are kind of the same age and it's sort of a neat concept that you know, you're all sort of kind of doing this all at the same time together. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Nuge, uh, uh, we're we're chatting every other day about uh, babies just because you know our kids were born a day apart, so uh, we, you know we're going through the same. You know whether it's sleep regressions or, or you know yapping or or, ha- or good times to it. You know we're sharing it all, so it's been really fun to kind of bounce that's kind of bounce that stuff off a guy who's uh, or a bunch of guys that are in in similar positions. Thanks for this, Connor. Good luck against Tampa Bay. Yeah, no problem. That's Oilers forward Connor Brown as the Oilers get set for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa comes in with a record of 13-12-5. So the Oilers are gunning for win nine in a row if that were to happen again. It's only happened twice before in franchise history. Connor Brown just one assist in the 20 games that he's played for the Oilers, but has been around the net. You saw in the last game against Chicago, in the second period, Coach K switched up the centerman on the line. So uh, you saw Leon Dreisaitl start to play, well, was, I guess it was probably halfway through the game. And he finished the game with uh, Jan Mark and Fogel. Jan Mark and Fogel. And then Connor Brown and Evander Kane finished the game with Ryan McLeod. So... If that happens uh, tonight against Tampa Bay, you know, this is a situation. When you, I mean, Leon Dreisaitl, again, and Speck touched on it a little bit yesterday. Right now, that first line, you can't separate that first line. These guys are playing so well together. Ryan Eugene Hopkins and uh, Zach Hyman and uh, Connor McDavid are playing so well together. You can't, you got to keep them together. So now you got to try to find something something to click on the second line and that's probably why we're seeing a little bit of tweaking and probably we'll see that continue until something starts to click but the Oilers need some production from Connor Brown moving forward uh, that's just the, the the simplicity of it that's the facts and he's been all around the net at a couple crossbars he's been in tight probably needs to get to the blue paint as we mentioned a little bit more but uh, he will be key for the Oilers success for the remainder of the year that is the game of the day. The Oilers and Tampa Bay brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Uh, join in the holiday cheer. Help St. Albert Dodge fill their uh, Ram 1500 with toys for the Salvation Army. Stop in, say hi at the north end of St. Albert Trail. When we come back, it's uh, Thursday. That's mean, that means it's a triple barrel shotgun. 
if there's such a thing. We've got Ladislav Schmid, our co-host from 8 to 10. Mark Spector on the market, 8 o'clock for Booster Juice. And then Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff and our headliner of the day for Mr. Rooter. That's all coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Before that... Time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. Wear an NFL jersey tonight to the West Edmonton Mall location and you will get 50% off wings. Here's the Duke, Brandon Douglas.